You're listening to Packers Talk Network. Do you want to experience the thrill of a Packers game at Lambeau Field? If so, be sure to get your guaranteed authentic tickets from theticketking.com, a longtime trusted source and local Green Bay business. Just go to PackersTalk.com slash tickets for more information and ticket links. That's PackersTalk.com slash tickets. this time. Dave down in Racine, Chris in the center of the state in Clover, and we are both happy guys. The Packers, not just, you know, won in Dallas. They put a whipping on the Cowboys. It was wonderful to see. It was a gift. It was a late Christmas gift for Packer fans everywhere. Dave, I would think that you are probably as satisfied and happy as I am with the outcome. Is that, is that a good, reasonable assumption? It is. I, I, you know, it's so funny when I watch the game, um, I can't think of any other thing that I do that makes me like stand. Like I, at one point, you know, I'm standing, I'm cheering, I'm clapping. I mean, at one point, you know, I'm like constantly clapping. I'm sitting here in my place and receive by myself. Like, who am I clapping to? <laughs> like, it's just me. But it's just like this sort of uncontrollable euphoria when Savage caught that interception. Um, it brought me back to the days, you know, of 2010 and Tremont Williams. Uh, and, yeah. Yep. Uh, just the best feeling. And uh, it's euphoric. You know, it's so great. I, it, it, and it was probably even better because it wasn't an expectation that was being met. It was, it was something that was way beyond my expectations. So it was just the most beautiful thing I've seen in a long time. You know, it's the kind of thing that we really need to appreciate because next year there's going to be expectations and we're going to be like the old days and they make the playoffs and you're, you know, you want them to win. It's exciting when they win, but you're really afraid of the loss. Right. And, this time I wasn't afraid of the loss, you know, I mean, cause you know, house money, right. You know? Right. So uh, I think everyone needs to enjoy this and enjoy San Francisco on Saturday night uh, because, you know, you're not expecting a win. Uh, the expectations are low. And so I think Packer fans just need to kind of lean into that and enjoy this, right. Cause there was a lot to enjoy in that game yesterday. Well, we should have expected the win, though, because, you know, remember, I'm being negative on the betting lines on purpose. <laughs> yes. And it's it's working. So we, we need to keep that going. I'm going to still be Mr. Negative on the betting lines. Um, there's no reason to, to stop that. But uh, now I, I'm going to repeat my story. It, people won't know that this is our second hard start. Um, but anyway, <laughs> um, I'm going to pretend like it never happened. Uh, I will say I, I did have a... Path. Did I mention on the podcast my paths of victory last week? Did I talk about that at all? I wasn't paying attention to it. Yeah, that's right. You, that's too much. Um, I thought, okay, here's how it's going to work: is the Packers are going to get the toss, and they're going to score a touchdown on the first drive. 
And then a fluky play will happen in Dallas where they'll get a turnover and then we'll score. It'll be 14, nothing. And then Dallas will play on their heels. And that's kind of what happened. Um, and I, cause I, I, I don't know if I've ever seen a team be as tight as Dallas was. I mean, everyone before the game said it's going to be a blowout. You know, Dallas is so good at home, but you know, at the same time, people talked about, but if they don't win, McCarthy's on the hot seat and what the Dallas going to do, like they can't afford to lose. And, uh, and they did, they came out looking as tight as could be. Did you see that from your end? You know, what, what I saw is um, a team that maybe was, was looking past the Packers a little bit, um, you know, because they, I think they weren't expected to be anything. They didn't have any, any pro bowlers, which shocked me. They did have one all pro in, in Keyshawn Nixon. Oh, but, Dallas had what, like six or seven. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm sure they said all the right things in the, in the Dallas media, but it, you know, human nature would hell it would, but didn't Chicago uh, in, in the post game comments from that defensive back, they don't have anybody over on that side. They're fake. Right. Tough, blah, blah. Well, if that's kind of the book on the Packers in the NFL, you know, maybe, maybe Dallas didn't really know what they were up against. Cause it, they sure didn't, they sure didn't play like it. I mean, they, it was one of those deals where, um, you know, they get punched in the mouth right away and they just never really found their rhythm. Even when they had in garbage time, they, you know, I mean, they were better then, but by that it was way too late. It, it yeah. wasn't like they, they got staggered out of the gate. And by the end of the first quarter, they had kind of found their bearings. Well, no, they, they didn't really find them until halfway through the fourth quarter. And by then the Packers were playing their second and third string guys. Yeah. But like CD lamb, what was going on with him? I, I know in fantasy football, I've been playing in a league where you can redraft every week. And yeah. uh, CeeDee Lamb is like Christian McCaffrey, the guy that you just kind of pick every week because he is guaranteed to give you lots of points. And it felt like from the first moment they were in that this guy ear that like there, there was some kind of problem going on with him and Dak Prescott. And I, I know when he dropped that third down pass, like the McCarthy's talking to him and like, yeah, it, it was something was wrong with him. So I, I don't know if it was him or, or what it was, but it was really a strange thing happening. And it just felt like all of Dallas was nervous. I mean, sure the fans were too. And we know what that feels like, right? It's, we can't, I don't mind if we win or we just can't afford to lose. Like it's, it feels like a different side of that coin, but it's the pressure is all on, 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 on Dallas. And I had the Packers. It's not like Dallas felt pressure against San Francisco. Maybe both teams felt pressure. It feels like the Packers are just going out and just doing their thing and enjoying it. And I, I, that makes you a very dangerous team. So um, what did you think of the CD lamp situation though? Is that weird? I, you know, he looked out of sorts. It was to the point where my, my son, Joseph, that we always, you know, watch the games together. Um, you know, he went on the internet and looked to see if, did something happen to CD lamb's family? Did, was there a family emergency or you know, something happened just prior to the game. Um, he looked like that was a situation or he was playing with a concussion or something. He just, he seemed out of sorts. So I've seen him a number of times this season and he's been a beast and he just wasn't that. Uh, now his final stats, the line looks pretty good, but a lot of those were, you know, meaningless because when right. they really hit him to show out at the beginning, he just didn't, he was playing in a daze. 
So yeah. I don't know, maybe he didn't like McCarthy. And so he wanted to do what he could to, you know, get Mac out of town. I don't know, but it was, he was, he was not the guy that I've seen him to be earlier in the year. Uh, but even Dallas's defense, I mean, I thought they have, you know, Michael Parsons, who's a very good player, maybe, you know, all pro type player. Um, I don't know if they have, I know they have a guy that like had like four or five, six pick sixes during the season. Like, and I think Dallas's defense was respectable at a minimum and very good at the most. Um, and the Packers chewed them up. I, I mean, it's, and it, it, it's the same way, what the same offense that we've been seeing the last three weeks. It wasn't for the last people keep saying like since week 11, you know, here's Jordan loves stats. But even if you go back that far, there were games where Jordan love had good stats, but I didn't think he had a transcendent game or anything. I thought he played fine, but other parts of the team, maybe didn't defense, what have you. But since the Minnesota, the Chicago game, and now this game, I mean, Jordan love is playing where guys are, he's fighting the guy who's wide open. He's throwing the ball in all these different platforms and off his feet, but he's super accurate. Um, I mean, there's, there's barely a, a ball that's even contested for interception. He guess he threw in the end zone last week. That might've been interceptable, but I don't recall any this week. And, uh, and he's throwing balls that are like, you know, highlight reels on a regular basis. Like I, it's crazy how good the Packers are playing right now. Um, but you know, I, I, I feel like San Francisco, I, I wish we could play anybody, but San Francisco, um, <laughs> like they seem to sort of be our Achilles heel, no matter how good we are. Um, and they're the kind of team that probably like, I wonder if Dallas should have been running the ball over and over and over and over and over again. Um, and, uh, they don't do that. That's not what they do, but I feel like San Francisco will. So yeah. I, I am a little nervous about this game cause they, I think they have the patience to just run at us until we, you know, we just, we die a slow death. Um, but I'm sort of just rambling now. I just, it was just a fantastic game. I, I just never saw this coming. Jordan love looks like not just he's our guy. He looks like he could be special right now. Is that yeah. Yeah. Are we ready I, to say that? You know, it, it's, it's early to say it. And, and I'm always, I'm always slow to cashier a guy and I'm always slow to, you know, crown a guy. Uh, may Denny Green rest in peace. Uh, but it's it's hard to deny you know, last nine games. Jordan Love. I mean, he, the Packers are seven and two in those games. His rating, his passer rating in those nine games, one twenty point five. Twenty one touchdowns, one interception. I mean, those are Aaron Rodgers type numbers. Now it's only yeah. nine games. The season is seventeen games plus the playoffs. So I'm not ready to crown his ass, you know, as Denny would say. Uh, but at the same time, it's hard to ignore how special the guy looks right now. But of course, that doesn't mean that next year he'll come out of the box and he's, you know, MVP favorite or something like that. But right now he is playing at that level. Everything is working. And, and to me, the exemplar of his play was the touchdown pass to Romeo Dobbs. And I, I probably have seen that replay of that 15 times. Is that the sidearm sort of quick throw that he made? And right. Be, and two converging, uh, like one guy from the left, one from the right, and right between them. And it reminded me of a throw that Brett Favre made against the Lions in one of his MVP seasons, where it's like, how the hell did he thread that needle? It was impossible. 
And so it just makes me wonder, is the guy just hot right now where everything is, is working for him? Uh, or is he this good? I, I really don't know yet. All I know is increasingly every week, there are two or three plays that I just like, I, I can't believe what I saw, even though I've seen the previous two guys do things like that. I just never expected to see him do things like this to really make a judgment. Just like if he, when he was bad, it was too early to make a judgment, but boy, he, he was, he was eye popping and he should have had a perfect passer rating that unfortunate drop you know, by Tucker Kraft, who I mentioned on Twitter that I think he was blinded by the blood of his adversaries were caught in his throat or something. <laughs> uh, so he, he, he bobbled that ball, but still 157.2, not a bad passer rating. I think I set the over under at 150. So the over had that one. Yeah. You were really close on that one. Yeah. yeah. Really, really yeah. close. on that. But you know, I, again, I go back to what I said last week is that he seems to just see the open guy. And that to me is as good as being, accurate and uh, in powerful arm and everything else, just see who's open, know how the play is going to be run. And uh, I mean, he had times we had, it seemed like seven or eight guys on a blitz and, and he's picking it up and he's finding an open guy. He's getting rid of it. Um, I mean, I don't know. Had he, he got sacked early. Did he have more than once? He got nope. sacked. He had zero sacked. Oh, I thought he got sacked in one of the first year. Maybe that there was a penalty that, uh, yes. that took that yes. There, there was a penalty on the sack. That is correct. Yep. But the catch by Musgrave, uh, where he was wide open, how many times do you see a game where they the announcers go, look at that, you're going to die when you see this, and Musgrave standing by himself, and the quarterback never sees it, right? Um, it was 17 yards, they, they did an analysis. The, the nearest defender was 17 yards away. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that happens, Like, but he is seeing those, and you know, the, as they're blitzing and they're playing zone, he's, you know, finding Dobbs or Wicks or something in that, in that zone where they're open. And, you know, Reed, who is, you know, one of our best receivers by far, he had what three targets, no catches, but so, because yeah. <laughs> if you're trying to take him away, I think he's willing to, you know, it's going to be Dobbs. It's going to be his turn. It's going to be Wicks' turn or whoever else. Like it could very well be the Jaden Reed show against San Francisco. I, mean, I love the fact that we are so deep with our receivers that you can't just key on any single one. Um, I mean, Christian Watson was only one for one, um, but you got to pay attention to him, right? If he's playing, he's, he could certainly burn you on deep. The, on the touchdown pass to Wicks, it, you know, uh, one of the things they do in the playoffs that's nice, they give you the all 22, and I thought they did a good job in showing this. Um, on the right side, Watson was doubled. They were worried about him. Yeah. And because he was doubled, that created one-on-one opportunities for other guys. And it was also a zero coverage because they were blitzing. And they had two guys on Watson that left the middle of the field open. And Wicks was available. The ball was right there, too. Again, right. I mean, it was, you know, it had to be where it was. He was throwing off his back foot as he always does. and was right there. I mean, it, it was a, a combination of great individual play, but also it was really schemed up well. And the Cowboys played right into it by tilting their coverage toward Watson. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's first, you have to have all those talented guys, but then you also need to have a quarterback that's willing to say, sorry, Christian, you're getting one target. I'm going to, you know, this guy who's open tight ends, running backs, whatever. And that's something that 
I don't recall Rogers doing very well. It certainly didn't do at the end. I don't remember what he did early. I mean, we had that special group of receivers. If I'm not mistaken, Dave, um, when they played the Raiders um, a couple of years ago, it was during one of um, Rogers MVP seasons, Devontae was hurt and um, Rogers put up a perfect passer rating that game. Right. And because I think he had to hit the open man and good things happen when you're not keying on one guy. Yeah. It's yeah. Cause I'm looking at targets, stop six Musgrave three Wicks only had two. Actually, there aren't that many. I guess we ran the ball quite a bit. Um, 33 times. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was a 60% run game. Yeah. Isn't that, isn't that interesting? I guess I would have thought we threw, it was more of a 50, 50 game, but it was, we really relied because I'm looking at the targets. There are not that many per, per player. Yeah. Yeah, I, well, but that's again. But they're all balanced, though. The, you know, you, the top guy was six targets. Of course, he caught all six for 151 yards. Yeah. Um, but you know, then three, three, two, two, um, oh, three for Reed, but no catches. And then a couple guys with one. You know, he only had to pass 21 times because he completed 16 of them. You know? yeah. and it, it was it was a pretty amazing uh, performance and. This is the way the offense is supposed to work. I, I don't know that you know Jordan Love uh, would have been, you know, great in a different system. I don't know. Well, actually, I'm, I'm pretty sure if he played right out of the box, I don't think he would have been you know this good. But having the time to sit, having the time to watch, um, you know, seeing the things that Rodgers did, absorbing the offense, I think that's what allowed him to take off in the second half of the year because he's been studying this for the previous three seasons. So at what point during this game did you feel comfortable that they had it in the bag? Um, when uh, the clock showed zero, zero. zero. <laughs> yeah. Did you do the math with me? Cause I'm like, all right, 16 points. Yep. If they score here, get the two point conversion, kick it on side, and then they'll be driving to potentially tie it. I was ready to, just absolutely jump off my balcony, which is far enough to probably maim me, if not kill me. Um, <laughs> well, here's the thing. I'm not, I'm not a math whiz, you know, but I definitely could see, ah, 32 points. Gee, that's you divide that by eight. And oh my God, they could score four times, get the two point conversions and it's a tie game, you know? Right, so right. even at 48 to 16, I wasn't comfortable because of that Seattle game, that Seattle game. And I think people on Twitter mentioned this, that is going to hang over the conscience of Packer fans for a long time. And I, you know, it, it, I just never really got comfortable. And then of course, you know, Dallas does do some things. They score a couple of touchdowns, a couple of two point conversions. And, you know, they're, I want to say they're back in the game because really they weren't, but still, it was it was conceivable. It was possible that if weird things happened, and a lot of weird things had to happen, but they happened in Seattle. So because that's not that long ago, what nine years ago, uh, it doesn't matter. That is going to be it's a permanent scar that won't heal on my psyche. Period. Yeah, that's so true. So true. Hey, I I wrote down things that I thought were unusually good, okay. and I wrote some things that are actually bad. I did I did kind of try to make it somewhat. Uh, even can I can I read some of those off to you and then well, you can comment on list of good things, Dave? Yeah. Okay. Good. Yeah, good. Are, are, wait. Are you in the list? No, you yes. did not make the list of good things. But uh, 
<laughs> to be okay. fair, you weren't on the list of bad. You were just ignored. Uh, <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> when they say the opposite of love is and hate, it's uh, it's indifference, um, right? Indifference. So that's that's where you reside. Um, Okay, so I'll list my good things. Is first is they are they finally figured out how to ride Aaron Jones correctly, and uh, so how many he had? How many rushes? He had twenty one. Twenty one rushes. Had as, as many rushes as Love had attempted passes. Okay, so and uh, but they even got Emmanuel Wilson got eight carries and Patrick Taylor got it in the mix. So there's you know they they leaned on the running game. So thirty three attempts. Um, but I wanted to highlight one thing which makes me feel comfortable that I've got a coach who's thinking ahead and that was the play to Jones where he comes like in motion. First he he's uh, split left, but then it looks like he's going to like, uh, it's uh, kind of rotate back to the, uh, behind the quarterback or back to the running back spot. But then he, the ball is hiked and then he runs back out toward the sideline and they throw us sort of a quick pass to him with three wide receivers blocking out in front of him. And that at that point, cool. Oh, and I thought, where's that play been for the last 54 years of my life? Like that to me, because <laughs> I thought, you know, everything up to that point, I thought Jones up the middle was a problem. Like it's just, there's no room. Dallas is good. They got a good defensive line. Like I feel like running Jones up the middle is going to be tough. And so uh, that turned out not to be true, <laughs> but I thought, get him on the sidelines, especially if you're playing a team that has really good corners, but they're light and maybe fast, but not, you know, good tacklers. Like, why isn't that as regular as a handoff? I just, I thought that was a beautiful play. It didn't seem, I don't know what that went for. If it went for eight yards, I don't know if it went for first down, but I don't think he was touched for five. You know, you could do that on a pretty regular basis, that play. Comments. I like that play a lot. And I don't know though, if, that's one that you might have the danger of overusing like the, the jet sweep was a few games ago, uh, because it's going to be obvious when you have the three guys there and, and, and what Jones is doing, you'd have to get in that position with a different configuration because it would look pretty, pretty obvious. I think, um, with that same group of players on the field in in the same configuration. Well, it's interesting because let's say Jones, is rotates, you know, is, is out there. Then he, he kind of shifts back to the running back spot and okay. Now oh, this is the play it's happening. Does the linebacker shift over toward those receivers? And then could Jones then come all the way back and run up the middle? And then you've got one less defender. Like you, you could sort of dictate the play based on whether, you know, what that linebacker does, or it, it, I just, I just, I don't know. I just thought that play was really brilliant and it sort of loosened things up, but yep. it's a, it turned out, we, we ended up had living all day out the middle against Dallas with Jones, which I thought was fantastic. Yeah, it was, it was remarkable. And I think if the previous three games hadn't done it, this is his, you know, fourth hundred yard game in a row. Um, I think it's, it's pretty clear. They got to bring that guy back. Yeah. Well, although I did feel a couple times he's being dragged by the ankle and he's standing upright and is just trying to pull out the tackle and then gets absolutely smushed by the second and third guy. And I feel like you've been stopped. Just go down, man. Just take, don't take such vicious hits, but uh, yeah, I mean, I, I love Aaron Jones and uh, if they could get him back next year, hopefully on a, on a reduced contract, I, I'd love that for sure. Yeah, um, I, I agree. He, he's definitely a guy to bring back. 
I follow up then also is just the play by the offensive line and uh, and just the general play calling. I thought I, it just the offense is just humming. Um, but you, you got to really give a lot of credit to the offensive line. I don't know how much is love and how much is the calls that's just keeping the defense on their heels. They don't know what's coming, but the offensive line continues to play really, really great. Wouldn't you agree with that? You know, it's interesting because they had such a, a rocky beginning and, you know, to the point where they're rotating guys and it looks like it's, it's a mess and it's chaos and they're not that good, but they've been a real reason why I think that they've had this really good run of, of four games. Um, you know, I, I'm still not a big fan of, you know, Rasheed Walker, but you know, he seems to be pretty solid. And if nothing else, I think he's going to be a good, uh, backup or a swing tackle for him going forward. And it seems like Sean Ryan is solid. Uh, Zach Tom is a guy. I mean, there's no doubt about it, even though he's a little small, maybe for right tackle. He sure does know how to you know, get in front of his guy. Yeah. And, and as far as Jenkins go, he made a hell of a tackle. Um, I don't, I don't know. I forget which guy it was, but it was a great form tackle. He brought him down from behind. So there's something to be said for that as well. Offensive line though, you know, seriously looking good. I mean, even, you know, even their center, you know, they had a little, had a little problem at center, you know, but in recent weeks, it seems like they got things worked out and maybe part of it is just better communication of the guys along the line, helping each other out so that when somebody does, you know, get beat or a little shaky, he's getting help from somebody else. And when you keep your quarterback clean like that, it's a credit to the line, but also a credit to the play calling because, you know, love doesn't have to hold it that long. Unlike his predecessor, like to hold it and wait for something to open up downfield. So, you know, love is helping out the line by getting rid of the ball. And some of that is his ability to elude tacklers, but also to throw the ball off his back foot um, and just to get rid of the damn thing. So he's not taking those sacks. So th- there's, a lot to, it's not just the, the skill people. There's a lot to like on this offense up and down, including the game plan. I mean, it, it's, yeah. it's remarkable how you talk about firing on all cylinders. I think they really are at this point. I'm trying to think of a, what's the weak point in the offense right now. I'm, I, I guess we'll find out against San Francisco because they're, they're really, they're a great defense and it's going to be very, very tough. So whatever weaknesses there are, if they exist, they will be exposed uh, on Saturday night. You would think so, but yeah, I also didn't think they would not be exposed against Minnesota, Chicago, against Dallas, you know, and so I, we shall see, but yeah, I don't, of all the things I have that are concerning or bad, I don't have anything really on the offense. I mean, how could you complain about how this offense is, is playing? It's, um, and the only thing just to make a point on the offensive line, it's, it's, they're protecting love. They're creating openings for the run game, but they're also not having just terrible holding calls. So now it's not second and two, it's second and 20, which just kills drives. Right. Um, I didn't see the stats of how many penalties the Packers had, but I don't recall. There was the one holding early that ended up resulting in a punt, but that would have been a sack. Anyway, he, he stopped, you know, love from taking a hit. Um, but I don't know if there are any other holding calls really, or hence the face or anything. I can't recall any really, uh, any fouls called on the offensive line throughout the game. Yeah. I, I, it seems like there was a hold. Well, there was the hold on Jenkins when he, yes. when he tackled that, that guy. 
And that was, I think that made sense. He saved a sack there. Well, yeah. I mean, and sometimes guys do that. I mean, even if they know they're going to get caught, you know, it's, it's better than getting your quarterback hit, you know? So, I mean, that, that makes sense. Uh, But the way, the way they call the game to it's, there could be holding on every play, but they did a pretty good job of masking it. Um, The offensive line. I don't know if this is the five you want to have going forward, but this group right now, I think is playing at its ability right now. Yeah. Yeah. You maybe three. I mean, if you can improve, uh, you know, in the draft or something, then, uh, but certainly I think the offensive line is carrying their end of the bargain just fine. Yeah. 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 It's, um, it's not, not a weakness anymore. Right. The second as uh, going, this is kind of coming off the play calling. I really like that. You know, there's a lot of times when there are, you know, play action on first down, getting some yards, even if it's short and getting a short, a second and short, and then you run on second. You know, I feel like early in the season, there was a lot of run on first down pass because, you know, you have to, it seems now that sort of mix is keeping defenses on their heels. You don't know. There's no rhyme or reason to when plays are coming, when they're passing, when they're running. Um, and I like that, uh, that a lot. How do you think, feel about that? Yeah, there, there's a certain, a certain kind of um, rhythm that they have right now on the offense. And I was really surprised as, as I think you were to see there are so few passes. And usually when you run that much, you'd think, wow, I mean, this become kind of predictable when you're 60% of the time you're, you're running the ball. It just didn't feel that way though. It, it really felt like there was a, there was really a good mix of things. Um, pretty much everything was working too. At least well, the running game was working when Jones had the ball. Although, you know, if you want to be critical, Dave, and I know you like being critical, um, you know, 118 yards, you know, that's, that's down from 127 and 120, you know, I mean, you know, he's, I guess there's, there, there's decline. He's no longer averaging six yards a carry. He's averaging, you know, 5.6. I mean, there are red flags every place with that guy, right? Yeah, only the three touchdowns saved him from really calling it a bad game. Yeah, yeah I think. but really three, I, I, you know, I mean, we'll see how this goes, you know. <laughs> um, the other, the last uh, last thing on offense that I, I think is smart and uh, things that we had talked about is, you know, taking the ball first and being aggressive. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I feel like, you know, in the earlier this year, it was, well, we, we defer because, you know, you want to double up before half. And not thinking about the team you have, it's just the process that, you know, has worked from previous teams. But, you know, on the floor, understanding, like, let's get the ball first if we score. I'm so glad they did. And I wonder what would have happened had it been reversed. Let's say the Cowboys score first. You know, is is this game, you know, it, it, did the Packers dominate? Or I'll take even one better. The, even though the Packers had the ball uh, first, their opening drive was... Uh, Jones for no gain, and then Love was sacked for two yards. But then there was a penalty on Dallas, which gave you a first and 10. And then it was kind of off to the races from there. And I wondered if that penalty wasn't called, and now it's second and, uh, or they would have been third and 12, if they would have gone three and out and punted. What if the whole outcome of this game is different, right? I, it's It helped so much that they got the opening drive. It was very methodical. It took almost eight minutes to, to, to get that down to a touchdown. Like that was such a, a game setter that it just set the tone, put Dallas on their heels. 
And all of that could have changed if, if LaFleur would have deferred. You know, that could have been a completely different outcome. You know, that, that's a really good counterfactual, which I never thought I'd actually say said anything that was really good. But, okay, in this particular instance, uh, I think it was, hmm, I heard it on a podcast, somebody else made a very similar point. It might have been Ryan Wood. Um, if the Packers, uh, you know, choose to, you know, try to double up and defer, and Dallas comes out and scores, does this game, does the whole character of the game change? I thought that was really interesting because the Packers did, you know, come out and 75-yard drive, eight minutes, slapped them right in the forehead. Um, that That's what we know happened for sure. But what if it went the other way? And I think you make a really good point. That crowd was really juiced up. And if they come down the field and score right away, I think there's something to be said for the argument that the whole character of the game changes and the Packers probably lose that game. And so by believing in the offense and letting them, you know, take the ball, I think when you have a good offense, it probably makes sense. If you win the toss, you know, take the ball because that's, that's the stronger of your two units and go that way. And they did. And it worked out. Now, of course, the, you know, the risk you run is that you'll go three and out or you'll, you know, get a drive and you'll get a first down or two and it stalls out. You got a punt, whatever it might be. You don't score that touchdown. And then you've lost, you know, the tempo of the game yeah, because right. you not only score, you've given up the ball in the next half. So you really got to score coming out of the gate. And they did. And it's lucky they did because I don't think if, in fact, I'll go, I'll go this far, Dave. Um, if they, if they take the ball and they don't score Dallas, may well score. And I think that would have the same effect. I think that would be really hard for the you know Packers to get off the deck because now they're in the hole to Dallas and they're not getting the ball in the second half. So it worked out the way it did and it was great, but this is the kind of game where something like that right from the outset, you know, could have sealed the game. As I recall, right, the second possession Dallas had is when Jair had the interception, which was a thing of beauty. Yeah. And from that point on, because the Packers get the ball then really close to, you know, their goal line, and then they go and score. And from that point on, it just kind of, you just kind of had this feeling as though, hey, it's their day. Yeah, that's right. And and I think what's such an important point of this game that you have to kind of keep in mind, which hope you know could certainly happen in San Francisco too, is that uh, Dallas was played not to lose. You know, they were playing so tight. I think if they come out and score a touchdown, there might be just this sort of sigh of relief. They play looser. They're playing from exactly. ahead and you might get a completely different Dallas team for the rest of the, the, the game. But I uh, agree. Yep. Yeah. Um, last thing I had was something that was so strange was on the savage interception. Um, we've seen this team play zone defense all year long. And all it looks like is there's, you know, you stand there, you stand there. And if receiver stands in the middle, like pay attention to it, but don't actually run up to him. Um, let him catch the ball. And then we'll try and tackle him as best we can here. It looked like Savage was like anticipating the throw between two players. He was going to, when he saw where it was going, he jumped in front. It was like, where has that zone defense been? Like, didn't that seem, it felt like <laughs> Savage was playing something other than, defense defensive football because I have not seen anything like that from the Packers all year long and uh, to see that just was 
a revelation to, I mean, an interception on a zone, like give me a break. I, I that I've never seen that in with this 2023 Packers. So I, that was pretty great. And uh, we talked about already, my, I had to get off my chair for that. That that's when you, I really started to believe, I think they're going to win this game. It's fantastic. Well, I think you made it. Didn't they make it 27 to nothing? So, uh, I mean, was that the score? Was it 20 that before they, yeah. I guess, that made it 27, nothing. And uh, I mean, congratulations to you, Dave, for saying 27 to nothing gave you a sense that we're going to win the game. I mean, that's, <laughs> that, that of analysis are people are looking for from Packers. There, <laughs> uh, Wait, you're the but, one who said you didn't feel comfortable till the end of the game, but I know, I know, I know, but Dave, I kid because I care. Yeah. Okay. Right. yeah. So, what I, what I would say about, about that is again, I'm patting myself on the back here, but um you can play that zone defense all you want, but you don't have to play it passively. And I think that was an attitude play because yes, they were playing zone defense, which everyone, Oh, it's too passive. It doesn't have to be that way. If you have an aggressive mindset. And I think that's, that's what's been missing in this team all year long. It isn't so much just the, the concepts of the defense. It's the way you play those concepts. You can play, you know, off the ball. If you're always looking to make the aggressive play and that's things like too, like rallying to the ball and the attitude parts of defense that I think are so important. And I, I think that's savage, you know, instead of like, you know, waiting for the guy to catch the ball and then, you know, tackle him. And cause that's kind of what, you know, the defense is bend, but don't break, give them a couple of yards, but don't give them the big play. Well, if you just tilt that a little bit and say, you know, bait them, um, have them think that, you know, you're going to give them that pass and instead take it away from them. That to me was an attitude play. And I, you know, I don't think we'll see Savage next year for the Packers, but this was a time he came up really, really big. It was his Tremont Williams moment. Yeah, it was just beautiful. Okay, ready for some bad? I'm always ready for the bad, Dave. I live in yeah. the bad. You live in the bad, so you'll feel more comfortable with this. Exactly. I, there is a player that it's like every year, haha Clinton Dix. I guess I would give this guy the haha Clinton Dix award for. Oh, God. And uh, can you guess who it is? Person, uh, just, well, I would think haha Clinton Dix. Right? Yeah, I mean, he, he does. He wins it. Yeah, he, every every year. No, He's well, in the Ha Ha Clinton Dix Hall of Fame. Ha Ha Clinton Dix is. Um, so um, I'm gonna, who, who is going in your doghouse here? Yeah, uh, it is Devondre Campbell. Oh, uh, yeah. Devondre Campbell, uh, even outside of dropping the interception that you know was basically placed into his hands, um, I feel like on run defense and in coverage, he is a significant liability. And I thought that McDuffie. It looked like McDuffie came in to replace him, not just situationally. I think that I think Campbell might have gotten benched. I don't know. Is there anything? Do you well, read anything th- about that? I think the way they came out was McDuffie was in on the early downs, and then they brought in Campbell on the passing downs. That's kind of the way I saw it. But then McDuffie got hurt. Yeah, I know that, and, and that, that's bad. Yeah, and so I think that that kind of goofed up that plan. But I think that's what they were trying to do is to get him on the field on more obvious running downs. I don't think he's as good in coverage, 
um, as 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 Campbell is. And Campbell, I don't think, is as much of a run defender now as he might have been before. And yeah, the 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 drop on the interception, not good. But on the other hand, if he could catch, he'd be playing tight end. You know, so that's true. You know, no, and I I give him a pass for that. I I think I'm frustrated him well before that happened. That just sort of was icy on the cake. But I feel like in the run. Run support, he feels like he if he's aggressive, it's always the wrong hole that he's running into and it's getting taken out of the play early. If he's passive, it feels like he gets washed out of the block for the guy his size. And he's just a real liability in coverage. And so I, I thought when I saw McDuffie in, I thought that's our best chance to play. Even though I think Quay Walker is also just sort of a he's running wild out there without really a lot of purpose. Like I I, I mean he makes a lot of tackles. But uh, I mean, a lot of times it feels like, oh my gosh, Walker, you're right next to the guy. You just uh, watch him go by you. He seems like a very unpolished player at this point, which might be fair because he's was his second year or third year. It's um, the second year, second. and and he's and he's missed some time too. Yeah, I think it was uh, you, he was injured in the game. You could see that he was playing hurt. Um, he he does play with aggression though, and I I'm not sure if he's. Uh, you know, the most savvy, smartest guy on the field. So it's going to take him a little, a little bit longer, I think, to learn some of these nuances of playing that position, but he plays hard and he plays aggressive. So I'm going to cut him a little bit of slack. Sure. Uh, As far as, you know, Devondre Campbell goes, I think a lot of guys have had a problem with, you know, running into the wrong hole. It's really embarrassing when that happens. Yeah. Uh, But that aside, um, I think that, I think that Campbell had a really great season and he parlayed that into some money for himself. And I don't think he's a bad player. I just, I just think he's not the guy that he was when he was all pro. Uh, it was a good acquisition. Uh, you know, they got him, you know, signed him off the street, basically at the beginning of camp. I, I think they got their money's worth out of him. He's an older player. Now I, I think he's 31, maybe something like that. Um, you know, so, I think I think they're going to make a change there. I think they want McDuffie to be that guy, but because he does play as aggressively as he does, which I like, he mm-hmm. seems to be more prone to injury, which I think is also Walker's uh, problem as well. I'd rather have my inside guys, though, you know, running the ball, playing hard, blowing things up the best they can, even if it means that once in a while they're going to <clears throat> be in the wrong hole, you know. So anyway, I I'm willing to kind of, give a little bit of a pass on this situation because they didn't know what they had with McDuffie. And so they kept Campbell around and I think they'll correct that next year. Yeah. That's certainly a position they can upgrade uh, a lot and, and hopefully make things better. But yeah, Devonta Campbell, I think he's someone that's sort of really bothering me. Um, he's playing poorly uh, outside Anders Carlson. We don't have to get into that, but I just uh, feel like, that is a disaster waiting to happen for us. I, um, Austin, I, I thought the missed extra point was going to go. As it turned out, you know, it didn't. Uh, but next year, they, they've got to bring in maybe something more than a camp leg to really kind of challenge him and see if they can't improve that. You, you can't miss. It's one every three games. It's six misses and extra points in 18 games. You just you just can't have that. Yeah. I, you, I yeah, I mean, I guess you could pay just about any guy that's 
expect to come off the street and have the percentage that he's having. But um, now, it, but people say you know Crosby missed a lot early, and you know yeah. that's a position that people can improve on as they get older. And, and so, but right now he's he's a he's a liability for sure. And, and there's going to be a game that we need the field goal kicker to come through, and it's going to be really tough. It always uh, happens that way. Always, always does. Yeah. The injuries to Alexander McDuffie, I thought those were big negatives. I don't think that they are the most important players, even though Jair certainly is a, is a very, or has been a very good player. Um, but those are certainly negatives. And, uh, but I think they can still win or that whatever's going to happen in San Francisco, I don't think it would have been different had 23 and 58 were playing, but I don't know, maybe they will play. I, I don't know if their injuries were such that it's going to keep them out of the game. I'm I'm more concerned about Inigbari at this point. It looks like he's done for the season. He was on crutches after the game. Even Lafleur mentioned something in his post game comments, and I see an article here uh, came out uh, on Monday on the Journal Sentinel that Inigbari's injury quote doesn't look good for him is what mm-hmm. Lafleur uh, said. Um, I don't know if it's a if it's a knee or something broken or what the the deal is. And so I think we're going to see more of uh, LVN, probably, Lucas Van Ness. I think we'll see more of that. And they're also talking about some snaps for Bretton Cox, um, if you remember him from preseason. The guy who, you know, looks like Tarzan. He had some problems in college, transferred around a bit, but apparently a lot of natural talent. He looked the part in preseason. But if it's an ACL for Enigbari, he might miss all of next year, too damn shame because I, I thought he has developed into a good outside uh, pass rushing threat. He's had some big plays this season. Um, I kind of like the way 55 plays, but I don't think we're going to see him again until next year at the earliest and, and maybe it'll be late in the season if it's an ACL. But the way Lafleur was talking, um, you know, he said it doesn't look good for him. It's kind of bittersweet. Anytime you have a guy go out like that, a tough thing to deal with and just with him in the locker room and a lot of guys hurt for him right now. So that I think is the only guy for sure. I think who's going to be out next week. I think they need McDuffie, but they really need Alexander. And I, I say that about Alexander because I think it allows the rest of the team to play differently when you've got that guy out there. And if his ankle is goofed up, he's not going to be able you know, to cover as well as he should. He's not going to be able to cover Ayuk, you know, or something like that, because those guys are really good. And if he's not hundred percent, it's probably best not to have him on the field. But don't you feel that against San Francisco, you need more tacklers. Like they're a tough team. They're a little bit more of a runner yeah. rather than having, you know, they do have Ayuk and but it feels like, you know, they're they kill you with Kittle and, and McCaffrey, that they're more of a team. We, I want someone that can tackle. So maybe, this is a game that Alexander misses and, and we can survive it. Yeah, it's possible. And they did play pretty well when they were uh, going with um, the law firm of Ballantyne and Valentine. Uh, you know, that, that was a pretty good combination for them, but this will be the best team that they played all season. I think, you know, better than Kansas city, better than Detroit, better than Dallas. Uh, so it would be good to have your whole team ready to go fresh but at this point, you know, after 18 games, it, that, that's just not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. And then I guess my last negative is um, 
I guess their instinct to play soft at the end of the game. I, I thought you, I, I get why they did it and uh, you run the clock down and, and it all worked out. I just felt that, I mean, you had so much room that when you were leading, well, at what point you were leading uh 41, 16, like on that next drive, um, like, I'm sorry, 48, 16. On the right. next drive, Dallas scored a touchdown, made it 48, 24. On that drive there, you could have sent everything in the kitchen sink against Prescott. Like you could have just really been aggressive and tried out if they score quick, whatever. Um, but they, I mean, I think the Packers like scrub started to go in after, after that point, but why there wouldn't be an instinct to like go for it is I don't like it. Now that's a really mild criticism because I, I could see the rationale for being, you know, trying to milk the clock as opposed to, you know, trying to stop him from scoring. But uh, I would have liked to have seen a Kansas City style defense where they're just going blitz, every blitz package you got on your card. Um, so I, I, I didn't love that. I kind of understand it though. Well, my feeling on that was that they were trying to, they've had so many in injuries. We're just talking about all the injuries. I think they were trying to get guys off the field um, who were either kind of banged up, still playing. I think that's why Quay Walker wasn't on the field then. Uh, and I just don't think they wanted to to risk anything happening to Jordan Love on offense or, or, or Jones. Uh, so they put other guys in the game. It was um, as much just to preserve those guys so they'd be available for next week. I mean, the last thing you want to do is, you know, you've got a 32-point lead or – you know, even a 16 point lead and, you know, you're still pounding Aaron Jones between the tackles, you know, and then he gets hurt and he's not available. And then you're in a real situation because there's a big drop off after Jones. So I can see why they went to the reserves, not just because, you know, the game is, is over. Um, I think they did that kind of out of self-preservation. So I think there was a couple of things at play there. And when you go to the second team guys, it probably limits what you're going to be able to do on both sides of the ball schematically. You know, you probably can't, you know, blitz as much when you take your, you know, your best guys off the field and you probably can't blitz as much because you're not playing as well uh, in the secondary at that point, because you have other guys on the field. That was kind of my take on that whole thing and, and why they did it the way they did uh, as it was. I mean, in retrospect, I can say confidently they weren't going to lose that game. Well, it felt like they were going to lose that game uh, anyway. And so they had to switch back then. And that's really hard when you bring uh, back into the game Jones and uh, Love. And those guys didn't really seem to be quite as fresh because you leave the game and your mindset changes. You come back in and you're not quite right. And I, I, yeah. I saw those things on display. Were you surprised that they came back in? Uh, no, uh, because it was looking bad. And I, I was, you know, I was getting some significant sphincter tightness, Dave. Um, and so I, I totally got why they did what they did today. The commentary as well. They shouldn't have done that because, because they wouldn't have got beat anyway. I don't know. I, I, I just, I have that Seattle hangover. I'll probably never get over that. It was such what a dozen things had to go wrong and they all did. I mean, it's, yeah. it's possible and it would have been such a damn shame. Can you imagine losing that game up 27 and nothing up by 32 points 
and giving it away in the fourth quarter. I mean, that's just unthinkable. And so I can understand why LaFleur did what he did. Yeah, I guess I can too. Yeah, if we had lost that game, I wonder where that would rank then in terms of losses <laughs> for the Packers at all time. Because again, we're playing with house money. Um, but still, but you want when you're playing with it, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, if you have a million dollars because you bet house money and then you lose it. Um, yeah, that still really hurts. Yeah, that I don't, I don't know. I don't know if that would be the worst loss of all time, but it would have been really hard. And I was nervous about it until the game was over. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that's my list of good and bad. I mean, I, I could go on and on about good. I mean, you list every player on offense is good right now. Is seems to be have it going on. Lafleur is looking good. The draft that we got this last year looks really good. So I see a bunch of apologies on Twitter to Brian Gutekinds. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, the last two drafts have been really good, you know? Yeah, I guess that's true. I guess it's true. And there's some funny memes out there. Um, I, I sort of, I've been resetting them out, but the two I saw that I think were great. I sent them to you was uh, someone said, um, Jordan Love has played so well that they renamed the airport after him, which is the <laughs> Dallas that. Love Field. Uh, <laughs> and that's that was actually funny. a real airport in, in Dallas. It's yeah, that's the Southwest Airport. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And uh, the other is uh, they show the Dallas Star, and they said, this isn't their logo. This is their rating. It's a one star out of five. <laughs> <laughs> that was brilliant. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> if you can find that out there, that's worth sharing. If you have any cowboy friends, because uh, yeah, that doesn't right. go away. That star, you can always throw that insult. Oh, that star, that's a one-star rating there. Uh, <laughs> fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, well, the only thing that I have to ask you before we get to the betting lines here, um, do you think now, uh, given how they played the last four games, has Joe Barry saved the job? I, I was going to ignore that. I <laughs> I knew you were. We <laughs> said if they'd have to win the Super Bowl for that to happen. And uh, they are not close to the Super Bowl yet. And I feel like everyone's ready to give him his job back. Like, we cannot forget how bad this guy was. Like, four or five weeks ago. It was not that long ago. Um, and, you know, this defense is playing kind of up to the point where they should be given all the resources we put there. And I don't know if they're exceeding. They're maybe just meeting expectations. Um, so hundred percent, I think he should be gone. I said from the beginning, I don't think he necessarily will be because the Packers don't do what I want them to do all the time. And in fact, I think that's most of the time. So I think the percentages are going up that he stays. Uh, you know, I, I think the, the, it all depends on the floor. I mean, you gotta, he's gotta have someone that he wants. If he's got one of his I guess that guy for the Jets, he hasn't been the head coach there. He hasn't been fired yet um, and probably won't be. So he's not available. Um, I don't know. I I would have said 50-50 just because it's the Packers, even at the worst. Now I'm wondering if it's more like 60% or greater he's staying. What do you think? Yeah, I, I think your 60% uh, percentage is, is spot on. I If I knew and if there was you know some kind of way to – you know, I don't know, a blood test that would you know say that he has had a Damascus Road experience. The scales have been removed from his eyes. He he now sees clearly and that this is the way he's going to coach his defense going forward. Um, I would be OK with him. 
I just don't know if this is one of those things where, you know, you tell your kids something or one of the people that you supervise at work, you know, you, you get on them um, and there's improvement, right? Uh, there's improvement for a month or two and then there's backsliding. And that's my fear is that right now uh, he's following instructions. The boss has told me, you know, wants a more aggressive approach. He wants this one. So I'll give it to him. But he's never comfortable because it's not his idea. And I kind of have this suspicion that what we're seeing now won't be carried over into next year. And so the thing I would still like to do is get out ahead of this and say, you know, Joe, I'm really glad what you did. You improved, but your overall body of work suggests that I just can't trust you. Yeah. And and so we're going to make a change. But that the more games they win, you know, the more the defense holds other teams in check, you know, the harder it is to let go of that guy. And that's why the San Francisco game is going to be big because they've, they've got a good offense to go with a good defense. I think Brock Purdy, isn't he the leading uh, passer rating guy? I think, um, and I know he was like third in touchdown passes. Um, and of course they got a great running back. They haven't been good against the run. The Packers haven't been good against the run. So this is going to be a real test. And yeah. all of the good that they've done the last four games could be flushed down the toilet with a crappy, you know, performance at Levi stadium. Yeah. Especially if it's, they're just doing one thing and embarrassing us at one thing over and over and over, no adjustments, no, or at least what appears to be no adjustments from our eyes. And, and there's just sort of an outcry I think that could certainly seal his, his deal because Joe Barry's going to have to come into San Francisco with a plan. You know, it's not, I don't think he can just come in and just line up the guys and hopefully you beat your man. Like, is he going to commit to stopping the run and, uh, and leave his corners on an Island a little bit and say, that's, right. that's what I'm willing to do. Or are you going to try and keep it in front of you? And, you know, is he going to put an extra guy in the line? Like, I feel like there needs to be a plan from him. And I don't think he does that. I think he, he runs his defense and uh, if the guys do their job, then we should win. If they don't, well, it's on them. Um, and uh, so I think it'd be really interesting I, to me. I think, I think you stop McCaffrey first yes. and then see if you get into Purdy's head and, and cause you know, he's still relatively, uh, you know, young player and unaccomplished in a, in a setting like this. Uh, could you get, could you have a poor performance from him? Um, but don't give him a break by letting McCaffrey run for 200 yards. Right. That, um, so it'll be interesting to see what uh, they do. I, 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 you know, obviously I think I'm still on the point where I think San Francisco is the better team. They should win. I, and I, I just want it to be competitive. I, I, it is house money, but I don't want them getting completely blown out. Exactly. Uh, just keep it close and uh, give yourself a chance. Yeah. That's what concerns me. Cause right now it's a feel good story and that feel good story could really be thrown away with a 38 to six loss in which San Francisco does what they did a couple of years ago and run for 300 yards. You know, yeah. I mean, yeah. just everything that's been so good and pointed in the right direction, you know, could be, could be flushed away and that would be horrible. But even if they lost, but you know, a solid competitive loss where, you know, they were kind of going toe to toe with this team. Uh, even if it ends up in a loss, I think you can feel pretty good about that. For sure. I'm going to say this just to speak it out loud. Cause again, if I speak it out loud, it won't happen, but can you imagine losing 34 to six and then love is out, 
is driven off on a cart. Yeah, well, uh, okay, right? that was in the back of my mind, too. <laughs> you are not alone, because uh, I was watching the, the late game yesterday, and it's nice to watch those games because you really don't care. You know, it, it right. just enter- and my mind was wandering, and I was thinking, you know, what could derail Jordan Love at this point? I mean, he, he looks like he looks like the real, he doesn't get hit much, but you know, it just takes one. Right. Uh, or like it happened to Rogers this year and it happened to cousins this year, you know, they both kind of injured themselves, you know, their Achilles tendon just, you know, they moved the wrong way. In fact, I want to say Jair's injury. Uh, well, one thing he stepped on a guy in practice and then he moved the wrong way in the game and he was done. So, I mean, we saw somebody else in a different game, a guy standing by the pot a, a tight end standing by the pile and got rolled up on, you know, and yeah. it looked really, really bad. So yeah, these things can and do happen. Um, and it's, I hate to say it because you, for me, I'm saying it because if I say it, maybe it won't happen. I mean, I know that's ridiculous. Um, but th- that seems like right now, the only thing that can really goof this guy up is some kind of, Injury, and it doesn't have to be because of a blindside hit. It could just be like Teddy Bridgewater, who was on the sidelines, you know, in one of the in one of the games. I, I didn't know he he was still a thing out there, uh, but he's still out there. And I think of how he hurt himself in practice, right? Going back to pass, planted, and his knee gave way three different ways, and mm-hmm. he never the same at, after that. So you know, I mean, this all feels good right now, but you know, you just don't know what's around the corner. That's right. And I only brought that up just because, like you said, if we if we say it, then it won't happen. So exactly. you're welcome. Yeah. You're welcome. And right. yeah. everyone should thank us now. <laughs> that's right. So that's I hope you gave that game justice. It was I mean, we just go on and on about it. And oh, it's going to be fun listening to lots of podcasts this week to discuss it because um, the breakdown I see like McAfee is talking about how this is how the Packers won. I, I, I would be curious about that. And it, it, to, to see the misery in Dallas is just when they showed Jerry Jones throwing whatever his piece of paper on the, on the desk. <laughs> that was great, wasn't it? Yeah. It just is so lovely. Yeah, it's so great. <laughs> well, I kind of thought that uh, Chris Christie would be in the box uh, with him. He's a big Cowboys fan. And he's, of course, he's no longer running for president. So I thought he'd be down at the game. Wouldn't you know? that be great? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just us. Yeah. So uh, let's get to the betting lines because the fact we know is that that Dave's got some personal business to get uh, attended to here. So let's get the betting lines and get the degenerates lined up for uh, the playoff game, the divisional round playoff game uh, against the 49ers out in California. Two time zones, two time zones, Dave. That is a problem. Yes, uh, I think it's been brought up by the Freemans. It's two time zones. I don't know how they do it. They live two time zones away. I, I, how is that possible? Every day you'd have to deal with that. These Crazy. people are heroic to be able to not just go out and come back, to live in that. Yeah, I mean, and just constantly be two hours. Tom and Judy are the best, you know, and because they have proven that they can stand up against the time zone. <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, let's go through. It won't shock you to know I only had two correct. So spoiler. <laughs> uh, that was. You uh, club, what's that? You you took one for the club. Yeah, I did. That's right. That's it's not it's a it's a win through my through a loss. That's uh, how I look at it. But there were four people who got eight correct. 
I don't know what they were looking for. Um, and we had to go to tiebreakers. So let me go through those. And if you don't know, you'll be surprised or be, you'll anticipate the winner here. Okay. Uh, so number one, I asked you, Jordan loves quarterback rating. You set the line below a hundred, which is crazy. Uh, at 91.5, uh, it was 157.2. If you would have told me that last week, just, I just missed it. Just, yeah, <laughs> just missed it. Um, but yeah, if I told you, Hey, he's going to have a perfect quarterback rating. You would, I don't, if I were to I say, can't. I'll bet you he gets, what will you bet me that he, uh, that he'll get over 157. You would have given me all your money. I would have called your mental health provider. <laughs> yeah, that would have been smart. Uh, number two, how many uh, receivers will catch the ball? You set the line at seven and a half, and it was seven. That was a good, good call. Look at me. Look at me. Uh, number three, Musgrave and Kraft total receiving yards. You set the line at 65. They had 67. I like that. Damn, I'm good. Oh, you're on it. Uh, number four, uh, how many uh, turnovers will Green Bay create? You set the line at one half. They had two. I know. Wow. I mean, and two guys who hadn't picked off a pass this season. So, yeah. yeah. Unbelievable. Uh, number five, total yards for Aaron Jones. You set the line at 90. He had 131. Uh, Dak Prescott total yards. You set that line at 311. He had 403. So, he yeah. had a lot of garbage. I hear that. Yeah, there's a lot of garbage time stuff in there. Yeah. Uh, this one's good, too. CD Lamb total yards. You set the line at 127. He had 110. Uh, I, I, I had a good week if nobody else did. Yeah. It's pretty good. Uh, seven and a half. Here's not so good. Uh, result of the first possession by the Packers. You said a punt. I said punt. Uh, it was a touchdown. Okay. Well, nobody's perfect. And then will Christian Watson play? Uh, you said yes. I said no. And obviously he did play. And then I asked about a highlight uh, between Dallas and Green Bay. And I think what Mike did was there was a quick montage of all the highlights before yes. the game started. Yes. But then none during the game. So the answer there was uh, none, which I think is right, given the how I phrased the question. It's If, if Mike says it's right, it's right. right. Uh, total points was a tiebreaker. You said 17. I said nine. Uh, the answer is 48. We added our two together. We weren't even there. Um, the winner this week is Jeff in Brooklyn, which is an oh, interesting, right? interesting last night name in Brooklyn. Um that must be French, maybe. Anyway, Jeff in Brooklyn. It's it's nothing that will embarrass anybody. So that's that's right. Um, congratulations, you got it correct. And unfortunately, because of just time constraints here, I'm not going to get to all the comments. Uh, maybe next week I can try to pick up on some of the limericks that I'm missing here, in case there there are some. So keep sending the limericks. Uh, we just got. Uh, kind of push for time here. I apologize for that. Um, but congratulations, Jeff. You're the winner this week. You get to spend playoff football week at the Packers Therapy Hotel and Casino. Okay. Yep. Congratulations, Jeff. Are you ready for this week's betting lines against San Francisco? Let's do it, baby. All right. It's number one quarterback rating for Jordan Love. 145. No, 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 no. I know uh, that's not going to be the case. Um, at some point, I'm going to have to come around and become like an honest to God believer in Jordan Love, and I I'm not there yet. I'm just not. 
Um, this will be the best team they've played against on the road. Uh, good defense. Um, the offense for them is good enough where the Packers may have to press a little bit. Um, I think he'll he'll be okay, but I don't think he's going to be flawless and clean. Um, so I'm going to I'm going to bump up his passer rating to kind of what his seasonal number is. So I'm going to put it at ninety seven point three. All right, I'll take the under again because I'm trying to yeah. keep us winning. Uh, number two, I keep coming back this one too. Aaron Jones total rushing yards. I oh. find that one to be fascinating too because that's. Such a great story for him this year. Okay, 127, 120, 111, 118 are his past four games. Um, you know, everyone keeps saying fresh legs, fresh legs. At some point, you know, your legs aren't fresh anymore. And, you know, against this uh, particular outfit in San Francisco, this would be a game, I think, where your legs might not be quite as fresh. Um so I'm, I don't think he's going to be over a hundred yards again this week. I don't know that he's going to get 20 carries because they might be playing from behind. Uh, so those are factors in me saying that he's going to have uh, 72 yards on the ground. 72. All right. I'll take the under that one. Okay. Number three, uh, how many wide receivers will catch touchdowns this week? Okay. What did we have this past week? We had Dobbs Wicks, but, uh, we, we're not counting Musgrave as a wide receiver. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say uh, I'll include tight ends too? So, okay, yeah, so, so there was so, three this week. I meant to. Okay. Yeah. okay so um, is this any receiver? Could it, could it be the backs? I mean, could Aaron Jones? No, not, not including okay. running backs. So just wide okay. receiver tight ends. Tight ends and wide receivers. Correct? Correct. Correct. You know, three this week. Um, I'll set the line at that at one and a half. One and a half. All right. I'll take the under. Uh, number four, who will be the leading tackler? This week, that is also, I think, a season-long interesting question. It's not always been the same person. It was Keyshawn Nixon this week. Hey, and that's—I'm glad you mentioned Keyshawn. I'm, I'm starting to think they need to bring that guy back. A two-time All-Pro. Um, you know, he, yeah, he makes some mistakes, but he plays hard. You know, yeah. he nice plays uh, this past week, and yeah, I, I'm liking—I'm liking that guy. Um, Quay also had 11 tackles this past week, but I'm not sure he's going to play. Um, boy, this is going to be tough. So maybe we go with a safety here. Hmm. I I want to go with McDuffie, but I don't know if he's going to play. Um, all right. I'm going to, I'm going to go off the board here. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to surprise. Even though this guy was the third leading tackler this past week, I'm going to, I'm going to go with Devondre Campbell. You're going to do camp. Oh my goodness. All right, I'm going to go with Darnell Savage. I need to do a a, a safety for um, – and Nixon's not a bad choice, but uh, I feel like a lot's going to be downfield. Savage didn't get hurt, right? He's uh, He won't get hurt until this game probably. Um, so I'm going to go with Savage. Uh, well, he might get hurt in practice though because – That's true. For whatever reason, the Packers seem to have the most dangerous practices. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's where they lost Bakhtiari and, you know, then and going through a walkthrough and – you know, Jair steps on a guy. How can you do that in a walkthrough? I, I, yeah. I don't, yeah. They should stop throwing tats on the floor when they do walkthrough. Like that's, or, you know, spilling their Legos all over. Like, man, they should just clean up the floor or something. Yeah. <laughs> crazy. It, it, I, I thought, I thought you had this week too, uh, Dave, when um, on the uh, interference on the punt um, 
and that I think that was Reed that went down like an NBA flop. No, the I, flop, yeah. You have been calling for acting lessons, and I think they took it to heart. That was a Oscar-winning performance right yeah. there. You know, so and also to this whole this whole thing of you know when everyone's pointing at everybody else, you know, it's like whoever points first and most emphatically. And so I do think they need to, you know, get a thespian in there to help him out with that stuff. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, he should have been, if he had been writhing in pain a little bit, like he got hit in the face, even though, you know, it wasn't even close. Like that's going to make him a factor. Oh, my God. (laughs) For sure. By the way, Keyshawn Nixon, total tackles, 11 total tackles, seven solo, one sack, one tackle for loss, two pass defended, and one quarterback hit. How's that for a day? Well, you yeah. know, even even Charles Woodson thinks that that's a pretty good day. You know? <laughs> yeah, seriously. Yeah, I, I think Nixon is, well, he certainly had a fine game. And he had a great interception against Kansas City. And like when he's good, he's very good. I think there are times, just like every corner in safety, it's there are times where you get burned. But so um, it, is Nixon the one, Dave? Is Nixon the one? Yeah, I believe that was the 1968 campaign slogan. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was before my time. I'm sorry. That's that's kind of deep dive. Sorry. I thought you were talking about the Matrix. I'm like, that's Neo. That's a yeah. That and that is uh, James Starks. That's he's Neo, right? That was uh, exactly. Anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, number five. What will Brock Purdy's quarterback rating be? Mm. Well, much better team. I don't think they have to pass a lot. I think they'll be able to run and control the game that way, which means he'll have a higher passer rating because it won't be like when Jimmy. How much Jimmy G eight passes in that NFC championship game? Yes, that's what I'm afraid of is that kind of game. Yeah, I'm thinking more like, you know, 16. Maybe they'll double that. Um, but he's highly efficient. He's got good targets to pass to. It's no wonder that his passer rating has been as good as it is. He is an effective system guy. Hey, can um, I change the betting line then? I think you just inspired me. I actually want total passes instead of rating. I think that's a more interesting. How many total passes for Purdy? 16 and a half. 16 and a half. All right. I will take the under uh, that one. <laughs> I don't think they have to pass a lot. We'll see. If he's throwing it in the 30s, uh, I guess I like our chances. I, I, I think that's good. If, if he's throwing it up 30 times, it means that, that they're in trouble. Yeah. Okay. Uh, number six. Uh, Oh, this, I guess I already was picking this up. I have total uh, rushing attempts, so I'm going to change it. I'm just going to say McCaffrey total yards. Okay. Oh, total yards, running and passing, right? Yeah. Oh, God. That, that, that guy is – I he has got a second life coming to San Francisco. He he was still – he was good in Carolina. But I thought, you know, these, these guys are a little bit older. They You know, they lose – well, no, he hasn't. Yeah. Uh, I could see him going for – I'm going to put running and passing total at 135. I take the over. And then number seven, uh, total sacks and turnovers by the defense, Packer defense. Mm. So you have two plus that's fumbles. They got four sacks. So you'd have six this week. Yeah. Well, if there's not going to be a lot of passing, which is what I think is going to be the case, I think they'll be able to control it on the ground. And also, you know, that offense gets, does get the ball out pretty quickly. I'm not really sure how, how nimble Purdy is. I've you know, seen him a half dozen times. He doesn't seem to be especially mobile, but 
you know, they got a decent line there too. So maybe a couple of sacks and I'm going to put the line at um, uh, sacks plus uh, turnovers at three and a half, three and a half. Right. I'll take the under and then seven and a half uh, of the wide receivers. Okay. Who will have more receptions this week? First year receivers or second year receivers? That is a good one. Um, I think both second year guys are going to play, but they're just more first year guys. So I'm, I'm going to say first year guys. All right, you'll say first year, but that is Christian Watson and Dobbs. I'm going to go with second year. Dave, okay. And uh, seven, three, fours. Uh, Packers were the first team, first seventh seed to win a wild card game. Right. Uh, and did Jordan Love set the record for first playoff appearance and having a highest quarterback rating or something like that? I thought yeah. maybe it was a perfect passer rating, but then he lost it. Yeah. Well, I, I think, I think it's still the highest, um, for a, uh, first playoff appearance. Well, regard, for, yeah. Regardless, my question is what record do you think will be set in this game that they will, it could be anything. And this is a hard one. Most people probably will get this wrong. This is a hard one, but what do you think? Just throw out what you think will be a record set in this game. Hmm. I'm going to say, this is probably a pretty, pretty high number, though. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, most rushing yards in a divisional round game. Divisional round by San Francisco? Right. You think? Right. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm going to say, okay, I keep it negative. Um, let's see. I, I didn't have a good answer for myself, even though I, I like that question. Um, yeah, I, I'll put. Uh, I, I just need to go for. It. I'm going to say lowest quarterback rating in uh, playoff history. <laughs> by, by, uh, for Jordan Love. For Jordan Love, yeah. But yeah. wouldn't that be a terrible way to end the season? Huh? Wow. <laughs> hey, again, I don't think that's going to happen. I'm but, doing it for the win. You're, you're, tr- you're, you're trying to put it out there yep. so that these things won't happen. This is working for us, so we're going to stay with it. And then the tiebreaker, I'm going back. Green Bay total points. What do you think? How many points do you think they'll score? Mm, yeah, <laughs> not going to be 48. I won't go with that. Um, yeah, good defense on road. Also, short week because they're playing on Saturday. Uh, and those time zones, Dave. Oh my God. Yeah, that's right. Uh, um, I'm going to put. Uh, do I want to set a line here, or do I want to have a whole? Just list? guess. Yeah, just guess a whole number. I'll, I'll go, um, I'll go 20, 20. Okay. I'll say nine. Cause I said nine last week. All right. Okay. So these are your betting lines for the divisional playoff game at San Francisco with revenge on everyone's mind. If you'd like to join you and 30 to 40 other of your closest friends, please send your results to Mike at Miller at gmail.com. That is M I T N O M I L L E R at gmail.com. Yes, that is the place. That is the place you can contact Mike Miller, our old friend Mitno Miller. He is the final judge, the arbiter of all things betting lines and what's at stake here is Packers Therapy Hotel and Casino Stay, which could last, could last the entire off season. Oh, could you imagine? Uh, 
although the Geneva Convention prohibits that kind of torture, still, we're going to go ahead and we're going to offer it again this season. So that's what we got, David. All right. That is your betting lens. All right. Well, we've got a couple of uh, messages that I want to pass along. First is from the professor. Um, yes, the professor, uh, Kevin, uh, he wrote us a very nice uh, direct message on Twitter. With the end of the regular season, I just wanted to tell you guys that I appreciate the work you put in to make following the Packers more enjoyable. I follow a few Packer podcasts, and you guys are the only pod that I listen to every episode. You strike the right balance between discussing the games, but not delving 237 layers into the X's and O's with whatever code words have become popularized by the latest version of Madden. You even help with the therapy when the pack loses. Anyway, thanks, and I hope you can keep it up. Well, thank you, Kevin. We do appreciate that. Um, we hope we can keep it up, too. If not, that's why there's Viagra. So, <laughs> yeah, we've never said the words, uh, the letters DVOA, I think, once. That might have been the first time it was ever mentioned on the podcast. Now, that is a space alien, right? Is that correct? Uh, <laughs> horror films? Yeah. Okay. Something like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, okay. Tom in Germany, uh, in touch. Um, actually, I don't know that we're going to say a lot because I, I was, I was going to plug his Airbnb. He said, don't do it. So I won't do it. Uh, but Tom in Germany, in touch this week. We appreciate that. We got some greetings, Dave, from sunny Southern California. This is Kurt. Kurt checking in. I do believe he's a member of the British aristocracy as well. He's Kurt Squire, he says. I, so I assume he's some kind of squire. Uh, anyway, uh, he said, uh, midway through the podcast, this must be the last one, um, I wanted to say that it was Chris's offhand comment about which wide receiver goes diva is worth following up on, perhaps as a bet of some sorts. Well, that does sound like kind of an interesting idea. Maybe we'll have to consider that. Uh, it's kind of hard, though, because becoming a diva, I think, takes place over a period of time. Right now, you know, I don't know if I would pick anybody to go that way because they, they're all young and they're keeping their heads down. And, but at some point, you know, imagine their agent is going to be in the ear. Hey, you know, we're, you're on contract here. You got to get the ball. And then, of course, they start, you know, bitching about it. But right now, it doesn't seem like they have guys like that that are going to be "I need mine" sort of guys. But could you, it, yeah, throw it, throw it a, a guess? Who do you think would be the most diva-like? Fast forward uh, three or four uh, years. Malik Heath. <laughs> yes, Malik, I, yeah, Malik Heath. Um, I think I would pick Jaden Reed. It's interesting, like. But Wicks is a celebrator. Um, I think Jane Reed is a, and Bo Melton, those two guys, they celebrate and dance. I noticed like Romeo Dobbs does not. Yes. I can't, he's very, he's very matter of fact. So I don't know if that means that he's more likely or less likely. Like he's, he's more likely to be one of those guys that does like the army salute, you know, and, and uh, like the, I think what I'm on green used to do that or something. Um, That I don't know. That would make me think that he'd be less diva like but in a dancer would be more like the diva type but um and i think to be a diva you gotta also be like a cut above everybody else and i don't know if wicks will end up standing ahead of all the other guys right I, so 
You know, and 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 Christian Watson doesn't sound like that kind of guy either. I mean, he's the guy with the highest ceiling, and he really could be, you know, terrific. Um, but he seems almost embarrassed about his dad and his family, you know, taking his back and stuff. So I'm not sure if he's that kind of guy either, uh, despite all the all the talent that the guy has. So it's really hard right now to say, you know, who might have kind of that, you know, Sterling Sharp kind of attitude and things like right. that. I Right now, I'm not really seeing it from anybody. I just said Heath because, you know, he had had some some issues while he was in college. Um, it was nice to hear Lafleur um, without prompting, saying how sorry he was that he, you know, had to put Heath on the bench. You know, the one thing I'm going to say for all the Packer receivers, they are willing blockers. And yeah. I, I want to say um, on one of the touchdown runs where there was this big lane opened up for Jones. Um, my son point pointed out that there were good seals by the guard and the tackle, uh, both, both Tom and I don't know if it was Runyon or Ryan at that point, but they both sealed, created the opening, but the second level, uh, there were linebackers there and somebody, I think it was Wicks came over and, you know, plowed into the side of those guys. And that allowed enough space for Jones to get in the end zone. And that wasn't unusual. I mean, their, their receivers, you know, aren't afraid to mix it up and get in the way. And I, I like to see that. I mean, cause that, that's one thing, things I liked about Alan Lazard is that, you know, maybe the guy wasn't the best receiver from scrimmage, but damn, he was, he was a hard man. And I think they've got some of it. It was one of the receivers this week too. also blocked his man into another man, taking out two guys. Now it wasn't three, you know, like Lazard did when he counted them there, but still he, he took out two. And that really speaks to kind of character too, that these guys aren't afraid to mix it up. So it's really hard to imagine somebody going diva with this group. It is, you know, it, it reminds me a little bit of like the fab five, the Michigan uh, college basketball players that, yeah. If you uh, don't follow college basketball or overseas, you might not know that, but they were five freshmen that showed up at the same time. They're all talented and they were great. And there was some that were a little bit better than the other. I think Weber was probably maybe Rose, you know, there's a couple that, yeah. but because they came at the same time, like they ended up sort of keeping each other balanced. Um, and I wonder if that'll happen here with the Packers. Yeah. I wonder too, uh, but you know, those guys, when they eventually, um, you know, when they became NBA guys, their, you know, their kind of colors came out and found out they were, how they were being lavished with things when they were at Michigan. Uh, yeah. so, but that wasn't great, but they did give us some good entertainment when Chris Weber called the timeout when they didn't have one. Yeah, that's you know, right. Bossing them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that was nice. Yeah. But that was yeah. late nineties, early nineties. Yeah. Right. Right in there. Long time ago. Yeah. Gotta, gotta let that one go. Poor Chris. <laughs> Well, this is a this was a victory for the Packers that um, I think is going to be warmly remembered um, for a long time, and I hope it's going to be the kind of thing like that San Francisco game uh, in January of 1996, uh, where it was a galvanizing moment uh, where the team proved something to themselves. Now we will remember that the following week they went to Dallas after beating San Francisco, and they got their clock cleaned in Dallas. And this is going to maybe be the opposite. This time they went to Dallas, uh, a stadium that they own. They did well. And now they got San Francisco the following week, and they may well get their clock clean. But the point is, 
that have that big upset to kind of, you know, make their statement this way. Maybe history won't repeat itself quite that cleanly, but this is this is the kind of win and a decisive win that I think Packer fans will, you know, look back on in 10 years, 20 years and say, yeah, that was a critical moment in this version of the team. At least I hope that's the case. Yeah, me too. I, I, well, I'd love for the repeat in San Francisco. Like, let's do that again. Let's do the 95, you know, or whenever that game was uh, in San Francisco and let's bring that home. I, I have a hard time seeing it. Cause I feel like I didn't think Dallas matched up poorly with the Packers. Um, I think San Francisco definitely does. So, um, and there's a bit of a, mental hurdle to get over with Shanahan and, and the way yeah. they play. So um, it, it, I think it's a, it's definitely, I think it's a tougher test, but they just passed the last test with flying colors. So if you make it a little bit harder, can they still meet it? I, I'm going to say no, because uh, I want them to win, but um, <laughs> man, I hope it's a, it's a good in, uh, game. And I got to tell you, Chris, that they beat San Francisco. Oh. Then I think we have to start talking about, could they win the Super Bowl, which is crazy. Because uh, their next game after that is probably easier, right? If if they beat San Francisco, I think I can at least say, will they make it to the Super Bowl? <laughs> That's about as far as I'd be willing to go at, at, at this point. Yeah, okay. Well, I mean, they play, you know, Den- they would be either Detroit, Tampa, or Philly. All those, I think, will be easier than San Francisco. So, um, yeah, it's, it's crazy to think about. We're actually here talking about it. That's what it's, we wanted to have an entertaining season without Aaron Rodgers, And that is exactly what we got. So I, we got our money's worth this year. Yeah. That's for sure. I, I think Packer fans have to be pretty pleased. Uh, the future looks bright, although, you know, division's going to be tough. Detroit looked good in their win. It was a narrow win, but it was a win. And Chicago's got all those draft choices. Minnesota's always tough. I mean, it could be, you know, it could be tough for them, but they're proving to be um, a legitimate division contender, certainly next year, probably a playoff team next year. And I, I, I think at this point that that's all we could hope for as Packer fans right now, that this year showed us that there's potential for, for the future. And we did, we don't have to dread next year and, you know, stop, uh, you know, listening to podcasts. Cause that's the last thing we want people to do. Is right. stop listening. Cause that, that would be worse. That would be just terrible. We, that's we right. We'll keep Mike, rolling. I have for you, Dave, before I let you go here, what's the future of Mike McCarthy? Uh, well, I mean, from what I, I don't, I guess I didn't hear anything today. So, um, I, I gotta think he's very much on the hot seat, but it's hard. to. I mean, Jerry Jones wants to keep the system going where he can be still the mouthpiece and have a coach that probably plays ball with him. Um, maybe he gets another year and, and can talk his way out of it. Cause I, I was reading this morning. I mean, it's been Mike McCarthy, Jason Garrett, uh, I think it went back to Bill Parcells. Like they've had loose coaches that had good seasons and lost in the playoffs quickly going back a long time. And the one common denominator is Jerry Jones and the culture that they built in Dallas. So I don't know if you can necessarily call it McCarthy's like, I don't recall McCarthy being tight 
in a Packer playoff game, but I certainly felt it in Dallas. And I just think it's because of the culture and expectations there. So I don't think he's going to last just, but I don't know if that's necessarily fair. So what you're saying is that we should expect this week that Jerry Jones is going to fire himself. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Um, he's the common de- denominator to all their problems. I, that I agree with. I think he will not fire himself. He will continue to be the problem. The okay. plagues so that, that team. First on Packers therapy, uh, you know, Dave, Dave has predicted Jerry Jones will fire himself and sell the team. He'll fire himself a general manager. Then he'll sell the team. To uh, yeah, someone selfless like Mark Cuban or something like that. Oh, uh, oh now there's a guy. There you go. Oh. Yeah. Elon oh, Musk. Well, Elon Musk would be a better. Yeah. He could sell to Elon and let Elon get a chance. Maybe, maybe Jerry Jones will buy Twitter or, or maybe they'll swap the Cowboys yeah. for Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> X. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm yeah, whatever. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's going to be it for us Packers uh, with a great gift, a great post Christmas gift. You thought all your gifts were open? Oh, no, no, my friends. Packers coming up with an absolutely splendid uh, victory in Dallas, tallying. 48 points, winning by two scores or two touchdowns. And now they go on to play San Francisco. And they'll be playing at, of course, down the peninsula a little bit at Levi's Stadium, Santa Clara. Uh, that game will be, let me see, that is a 7.15 Lambeau Field start time on Saturday. I do believe that Dave will be watching from Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. I know that I will be watching from Arizona. And we'll be back in a week or so to talk about it, which should be very interesting indeed. So until that time, I'm Chris. And I'm Dave. That is Packers Therapy. I'm Chris. And I'm Dave. And that's Packers Therapy.